Hello, leaders. I want to start off today by recognizing that not all of you are in the best headspace. We can't always be in a spot where we feel like the great leaders that we know we can be. And today I have invited a unique guest onto our show because there are so many tools and resources out there to help us overcome what I call our, our head trash. Today, John Register specializes in helping empower and inspire business professionals to overcome challenges, conquer their fears, and turn adversity into their advantage. Unlike other CEO interviews and guests that I've had, John is somebody who actually helps coach and guide people like you and I. And I'm so excited to talk with him about what he does to help enable and empower leaders. John Register, welcome to How I Turned the Corner. Kendra, I am so excited to be here. So excited to have a conversation with you for your audience. Uh, yeah, let's just dive in. That'd be great. So tell me, give us your backstory because it's fascinating and it really ties into why you're an expert in this. Sure. Thank you for that. Um, I was a world-class athlete, ran for the University of Arkansas, go pigs. Um, and from being a four-time track and field All-American uh, graduated from there in 1988, then went to two Olympic trials, uh, once in the high hurdles, once in the 400-meter hurdles, and was on track uh, to make the Olympic team in the 400-meter hurdles in 1996. I served in Operation Desert Shield Desert Storm, became a combat Army veteran, and was on my way also to Officer Candidate School. Wow. On May 17th, 1994, everything was going great at 529 in the afternoon. At 530, uh, I would never run another hurdle in my life. I misstepped a hurdle. I dislocated my left knee. I severed the artery behind my kneecap. And then seven days later, I became an amputee. So my whole world was shifted upside down. No more officer candidate school, no more Olympic uh, games uh, possibilities. Uh, and I was going down kind of this downward spiral. And it was my wife, Alice, who said, you know what, John, we're going to get through this together. It's just our new normal. And with that mindset, I began to repackage, retool, intermed my service in the military. And then I started swimming for physical therapy. And lo and behold, I found a parallel path. I made the Paralympic swim team uh, and went to Atlanta, Georgia, just 27 months after my amputation. Four years later, after learning how to run on an artificial leg, I jumped my way to a silver medal in the long jump in Sydney, Australia. And then seven years after that, I had founded the Paralympic Military Sport Program for the United States Olympic Committee, which served wounded, ill, and injured service members to use sports as a tool for their rehabilitation. That turned into the Department of Defense's Warrior Games, and that also turned into uh, Prince Harry's Invictus Games. So now I go around the world running my mouth and talking about how to amputate fear, embrace this new normal mindset to win the medals that are in our life. Wow. So you, I mean, that is such an incredible story because so many leaders um, would collapse under that kind of experience and you managed to turn it around and actually look for the opportunity in it. Yeah, I think that's what we have to do, right? Because there, there's, there comes this fear that people have and fear keeps us, holds us back sometimes for actually accomplishing what the vision is that we, that we have a desire to do. And so we get into this loop of this reckoning. I call the reckoning moment. We have to hurdle the reckoning moment. And the reckoning moment is having a desire to get back what we used to have access to. Um, we have a desire to get back what's no longer accessible to us. Once we realize we're not going to get back there, it usually comes out like this. I just wish things would go back to normal. 
Well, that's not going to happen. And it has never happened. But we as leaders sometimes will follow the crowd and we'll try to go back to the way it used to be. And it never has happened that way. Folks are trying to do that right now. Uh, we've come through this amazing pandemic uh, and folks are trying to get people back in the office. And folks have shifted and right. no one wants to come back in the office. They want to do things differently. So if I'm trying to be the hammer and nail and try to get people back, it might be driving people away. So once we can honor that, that's not going back to the way it used to be. Now we're into the revision. We have a new vision. We can cast a new vision for ourselves, a recreate a vision. But three things hold us back from uh, hurdling to our vision that we know we have to commit to. Other people, so other executives possibly, that are believing for us what we can or cannot do which is based on what they believe they could or could not do if they were in our situation. Uh, and society, what if society impacts us? You know, I, I look at, I always talk about Captain Hook was a an above-the-wrist amputee. He was scaring the Lost Boys in the, in the movie Peter Pan, Disney, right? And from that, I now see myself as an amputee. Am I the villain in my story? Am I the villain to other people because I'm now an amputee? So society has dictated to me some negative thoughts. We can take it to people who are burned over 90% of their bodies, burn survivors, our military that are down in San Antonio, Texas. But we show them Freddy Krueger every October. So are they now the nightmare in their children's dreams? Mm -hmm. Do I pay my money to go support that? We have a whole mental health crisis, as we, we want to call it. We can't have an authentic conversation around it because the movies we watch, like The Joker or other Hannibal Lecter, we see all these individuals with mental disabilities or challenges and now we can't have an authentic conversation because we always have associated that as bad mm. so that's very hard to get break away from that and then third i'm the one that has to jump i have to attack the hurdle that's in front of me we've had some of the world's best hurdle coaches um they never ran a hurdle race for me i'm the one that has to run the race uh so that equals then our, our renewal so we're renewed um, and if we can get to that part, it begins with the very hardest part of my model, which is the rebirth. And this is where all things are brand new. New, the word new is defined as no prior point of reference. If there's no prior point of rest reference, and I can't use old systems, old thoughts, old ideas to put into a new bucket to get a different output. I have to have things that are new. And that's that's hard work. And I have to learn as an amputee, I don't know how to be an amputee. How to manipulate a wheelchair to get to my prosthetic appointment. That's new. I never had to use a wheelchair before. I have to learn how to walk between the parallel bars, put on an artificial leg, and balance myself on this new contraption, this artificial leg. That's new. I don't know how to walk on an artificial leg. I have to learn how to walk on a four-bar walk around the hospital. Walker to crutches, crutches to a cane, cane to free walking, free walking to running, running to jumping, jumping to a Paralympic medal. The process took seven years. Can we identify what's new faster so we can get the process done faster for our, our leaders? Um, we might have phantom pains that get us go make us go back to the, the place where we think we used to be, but that place has been shifted. It's gone. We've made the commitment. Uh, I get phantom pains that remind me of, of, that I had a leg, and it's sometimes a very severe phantom pains. Uh, but my leg is gone, so I can't get the leg back. Mm -hmm. And once I've had that, now I I, I I come into a point of resolve. And the resolve is I've, I've, I've had the, I've done the work. 
So it's no longer am I going to go back to the way it used to be. No, you need to catch up to where I am. And then that equals our freedom, our liberation, uh, our renewed process, which is not a destination, but a plateau by which we grow. So that's kind of the framework I, I, yeah. I, I would share well, with that's, you. That's really good. And I, I think about so many applications to that in today's leadership world, because I mean, the conversation I'm, I'm in all the time are <clears throat> leaders saying things like, why can't I go back to the way that it was? So they're in that state, sort of state of denial and that it isn't going to go back. We're not going to go back to an environment where it's Monday through Friday, eight to five. Like nobody understands why that system even existed. And then when COVID came and kind of made that go poof and disappeared, now everybody's really in a spot where like, where did this arbitrary Monday through Friday, you know, eight to five come from? And no, I'm not going back in office. And the leaders are resisting and forcing people back. And like you said, People are saying, no, I'm going to gravitate to the organizations that are going to let me be me. And it's the organizations that adapt and adjust that are going to attract all that great talent, which is why I think this conversation is so important because the leaders that don't adjust are not going to survive. They're not going to make it because it's not going to go back. Yeah, I think there's there's two thoughts I have on on that, right? Uh, the, The first is around no one ever quits or leaves a job because of money very rare right it's it's usually because of a lifestyle or something's not happening something's not going right inside of the inside of the organization itself and th- so they they come to an impasse and so their lifestyle is or their life is is more it's more detrimental to work for the company than it is to be on their own so people are choosing uber uber eats and some of the other things that are out there because they want a flex lifestyle and so we have to understand as leaders we have to be able to uh, articulate that and say why it's, it's important to work for my organization and can I offer this flex lifestyle? The second thing that people are finding, I think, during the pandemic is they really began to understand the power of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And here's what I mean by that um, and belonging. It's it's because the competitive market is no longer just in America. It's a global marketplace. And so if your company is not nimble enough to understand that you get talent from all over the world, then you're going to struggle. Um, because the, the communities that we're selling into now are, ex- they're all diverse communities. They, they're not homogenous any longer. And so if I walk into an organization and I see a board of directors that's homogenous, I see an organization that's about to die. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're on the way down that they, because there's just, they can't, it's not sustainable. Uh, and it's not because we're trying to fill people on different roles and buses and seats and those type of things. It's because that um, that individuals are we we have to. Uh, it's, it's a it's a business imperative, right? When I talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, I, and I talk on on from the disability standpoint, I mean we're we're all looking for the labor market. Twenty percent of the labor market is not even touched because they're people with disabilities. But if we look at the Accenture report that came out in, in 2018, the Q- Q4 2018, it takes two companies that are compared to each other, company A, company B. Well, if company A hires and retains and promotes people with disabilities in the workplace and company B does not, company A actually outperforms company B two to one to shareholder returns. So this caused the comptroller of New York State, Mr. Tom DiNapoli, he said, I'm going to start investing my trillion dollars of pension fund into company A and not company B. And he's making money hand over foot because of the economic impact, the business imperative. 
So if you aren't hiring people with disabilities or each or understanding, giving people the, the access to kind of come out in the organization that you already have, you're really losing market share uh, to your competitor. And so that's hard for us to make that shift because we said, oh, we can just kind of ride this out. No, you can't. You're, you're, no. you're in, you know, we have states like Florida and, and, and uh, Texas right now that are kind of resisting the DEI space. And that's going to be a dinosaur because you're, you're actually, the data shows, the data shows you are alienating yourself. You're taking yourself out of the marketplace. Um, and so that's, those are imperatives that you have to have. It's a, it's, it's a must. Right. Well, and I think that's another piece in the conversation of things I hear is, you know, that, 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 you know, they pay more lip service to DEI initiatives instead of really understanding what you just said. And, um, and I always like to have di- diversity is de- defined a little bit differently just to kind of round out what you just said for the listeners. But, you know, diversity doesn't have to just be, um, race. Diversity can also be male and female. It can be disability, LGBTQ. It can be the different generations in the workforce, different religious backgrounds, different class backgrounds. Like diversity comes in a lot of different flavors. Um, you know, veteran status, being able to just have a different perspective and a different mindset on the team, not necessarily diverse in your values. You will still want to understand and, and believe in the mission of the company and believe in the expectations of, and the values of the organization. But everything else can be diverse. You have diverse thinking, just not diverse values. And so, but I I think I hear a lot of leaders really stuck in this mindset again around like, why can't it go back to the way that it always was? And back to the theme here, we're not going to survive as organizations if we don't change. Um, What are other things you're hearing? So we talked about COVID and, you know, the sort of, you know, flexibility built into scheduling. We've got diversity and equity and inclusion, belonging. What are other things where you feel like leaders are just stuck in a mindset? Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the, the the things where leaders kind of get tripped up in is they don't have a, they don't reach, in my opinion, they don't have a lot of people to reach out to in the executive leadership uh, track, right? Or or they're, they're a CEO of a company and they think they're isolated because there's not a lot of people in the company actually really talk to. So I think where people get stuck is we don't have all the answers and a great business coach for myself. My business coach always said when I was, you know, being the executive, said, John, it's not really your your job to do everybody else's job. <laughs> it's your <laughs> job to let people do their jobs because that's what you hired them to do. Let them give you the KPIs that are in alignment with your mission, your vision, mission, and values that you have for the organization. And then you come to a consensus if that's the right thing and, and the markers are uh in in place for their growth. And I think what a, a, the stop gaps become when leaders uh try to be the 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 kind of the line of of the person that has to go through them in order to get stuff done uh and that is we have to kind of we have to push that down to the people that we've hired to to do the job that that helps us uh to scale in our in our companies Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. And a lot of that is a, is a mindset of just lacking in trust. I think yeah. where leaders don't, don't, don't trust that the people that are working for them can actually do the job. And that is a totally different conversation in terms of how you, you get leaders turned around for that. Right. So, um, yeah. Well, so now talk a little bit more about then this framework in a more, you know, how does it, how, how do you bring it into organizations? Yeah. So the, the, I, I usually ask, you know, when I'm sharing the framework, where do you see yourself on, on this module? And so there are exercise and activities that 
I can bring with each one of those levels. So for example, a, a group that might be right at the precipice, they have a, they have a new procedure or new rollout that they're going to do. The old guard might be saying, it's never going to work. We already tried this before. It's, you know, we've already done it. New guard is saying that, yeah, let's just go forward. Uh, so we have to come to a consensus and bring everybody along because they're, the decision has been made. So, right. So the decision to go down this, this road is there. So we've made the jump from that revision to the commitment now that's on the other side in this rebirth. We now have to maybe give an activity or an exercise to say, when are, where were some other times in your life inside or outside of work that you had resistance to something and then you actually did it and you found out it was even better than what you thought. It's not happening. And so getting those people to have the little micro wins and remember in their life, maybe it was the first time they asked uh, uh, their um, the, the opposite uh, sex person to to dance in the eighth grade dance, and they were terrified, right? And they're like, I'm, not, I'm never going to go across. So you got the girls on that side, the guys are on this side, and no one wants to dance. Oh, he's going to ask you. No, he's not going to ask me. I don't want to. I'm not going to dance with him. I'm not going to dance with him. I'm not going to go ask. But we have all these things that, that come up that were terrified. And then the one guy goes up and takes the risk and asks to dance. And then what happens? They get on the dance floor. They're going back and forth and doing the, the rockaway dance. <laughs> and everybody else starts to join in because the, the person went first. So we, I think those are the things are the, are the wins that we have to share that kind of make it fun and make it um, that we, we, we have been here before. Maybe the risks weren't as high as they are in this, in this, um, in this specific situation or opportunity. Uh, but seeing the opportunity despite the obstacle is always the mindset that we want to keep people in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking for the opportunity instead, instead of fighting against it and being fearful of it. Well, John, I think this is wonderful. This is so helpful for our leaders. And so what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Thank you. Yes. The best way I have a website, it's johnregister.com, common spelling, J-O-H-N-R-E-G-I-S-T-E-R, johnregister.com. Uh, that's the, I think we have everything up there on that, that website, but just be happy to, uh, to have a converse, further conversation with anyone that's interested. Absolutely. And we'll include that in the show notes as well. So, John, thank you so much for joining me today on How I Turn the Corner. Thanks, Kendra. Appreciate you having me on. 